Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Minisode 127 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart. Hi Mitch! Good morning. How you doing? For date stamp purposes, 11.30 Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cutting it fine again, as we all want to do, but hey. Living dangerously as usual. How you doing? I'm pretty good. I'm a little bit tired today, if I'm perfectly honest. Well, we did have a late one last night. Um, thanks to everybody that joined us for the live episode that we did as part of Mitch Harrod's Soho Horror Festival Part 3. Yeah, yeah, that, that was a lovely time. You may have seen some photos from that that have popped up on social media of me and Mitch <laughs> Harrod in full makeup and you in a kind of suit jacket. Yeah, me looking kind of like a withering parent. We'll get to that in a minute. But, um... <laughs> also, just want to quickly say... Well done, America. Yes, nice work. Collective sigh of relief being breathed over here, but apart from that, on a smaller scale, what have you been watching this week? Uh, not much, if I'm perfectly honest. It's been a chaotic week for me in terms of my day job and stuff like that. Like, There's been a lot of movement and changes afoot, and it's been pretty busy times. Um, but I did make time to check out His House on Netflix, and I know you did too. <laughs> Yes, I did. So His House, Netflix original, mm-hmm. uh, just dropped this past week. What you have here is a couple who uh, come to the UK to seek asylum from Sudan. Yeah. Uh, They move into this house and basically it starts to become apparent that they are not alone in this house. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I thought that this was brilliant. Absolutely loved it. I thought it was amazing. Yeah. One for the film of the year list for me, for sure. I was kind of curious after I watched it because obviously, apart from the kind of horror, the more conventionally horror elements to this... It's obviously kind of like this very socially engaged and politically engaged drama as well, Mm -hmm. talking about the way that asylum seekers are treated in the UK and elsewhere as well. So I was curious to know about how much of that is accurate and how reflective that is of the real experience, and it seems like very is the answer to that. This is very unflinching in the way that it looks at that, and a little bit eye-opening, I think, as well. Also really scary when it needs to be. Yeah, and great performances across the board here as well. Yeah, really, really striking stuff, I think. And as, I don't want to speak too much about where it goes, but ultimately, as this kind of unfolds and you understand exactly the point that the film is making what it's trying to say and things like that it's really really harrowing and really really moving i think yeah i'm I'm going to come down on the same line as you here mitch and say i think this is going to be another one that enters my top five of the year Uh aha um really i think really incredible to look at in places as well there's one shot in there that i think is totally unforgettable yeah we could talk about that off air because i don't know uh, which one you're talking about because there was a lot in here that impressed me actually yeah i don't want to get too spoilery about it either but his house on netflix an absolute winner, in yeah, my estimation. Definitely go on it, check it out. It's really great. Yeah, don't sleep on that one. Uh, do you have anything else aside from side quest things? Not really. I've spent some time digging into the 101 films box set of Silent Night, Deadly Night 1 and 2. And of course, you might have seen me posting this on social media as well. But I finally got my hands on the second site. Dawn of the Dead 4K mad box set. Yeah, that we dug into a week or two ago. At the time, I talked about how it wasn't a full pack, so I couldn't really talk in any great depth about certain aspects of it, but the real things, 
easily one of the best Blu-ray releases I've ever seen. Cool. Yeah. I did see um, a lot of chat about that on the Twitter uh, this week as well, which is cool. Um, I only have one other thing, really, from this week. In fact, that's not technically true. I'll get into a little bit of uh, so-home horror stuff in a minute. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I did watch this week was the animated Creepshow Halloween special on Shudder. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not 100% sure why I did this on paper, because regular listeners to the show and long-time listeners to the show will know that I did watch the entirety of the first series of Creepshow on Shudder, uh, the reboot series, Mm -hmm. and I didn't take to it really, with a couple of exceptions and kind of odd stories. It didn't really do it for me. But I was curious about this uh, because it was animated. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was which I thought was quite interesting. And I thought I would take a look at it. There's two stories in this, as is often the structure. I like the animation style a lot. It's kind of set up to look like a comic book, which obviously makes sense. Yes. First story is this kind of body horror thing. Yeah. That Kiefer Sutherland is the voice in. Apparently, before this structure and this animation and things like that kind of came about, apparently this was conceived as being a live-action one. Yeah, and I think that uh, tells somewhere that maybe David Cronenberg was approached to direct it or something along those lines. Yeah, none, none of this materialised, but I did think that this was quite cool. It also explains, because I remember thinking after it started, because you've got um, Kiefer Sutherland's character stranded on an island, mm-hmm. and it's really weirdly body horror orientated for something that's animated <laughs> but i thought it was quite cool i quite enjoyed it actually it wasn't bad at all i was less taken with the second story right which involves a kind of twitter obsessed teenager and her family who go uh, on like a road trip or a holiday or something and they stop and go to the circus which turns out to not be all that it seems it is still a circus but it's basically just full of creepy things <laughs> right. um and ghouls and demons and zombies and whatever again the animation stuff was cool I actually i like the look of it <laughs> I didn't particularly like the story, and I feel like I'm going to be excessively vindictive by pointing out the fact that the main voice in this is Joey King. Yeah, I was wondering when you were going to get round to that. I, I feel like that's kind of, you know, sometimes like you, you look at scores for things, you can't get your head around them, then you find out that there's a weighted average behind it. I feel yeah, like mm-hmm. that this film has been disproportionately weighted in your mind by the fact that Joey King's in it. There's nothing wrong with what she's doing in it. <laughs> My problem is, with this and so many other things right now, and I've talked about this a couple of times lately, I am so fed up with things portraying teenagers as idiots for being on their phones a lot. Right. Because I don't. it feels like incredibly low-hanging fruit at this point to me, and it's very finger-waggy and very moralising, and I think that it's really, really dull. And it's a very one-dimensional, very reductive way to portray teenagers as characters and things. Also... People who are like 16 to 18 have not lived an adult life in a world that isn't constantly on fire. So I don't blame them for wanting some distractions here and there. Um, So I get really tired of that. And I think that it's something that is kind of sketched out really lazily a lot in fiction. Right. And that is true here. I think that that's really quite tiresome. But visually, I thought that this was quite cool. And I think that as two pieces of storytelling i think that it's probably the most consistent of any episode from the new series so i didn't out and out love it but i thought that it was like a fair improvement and i probably will watch the second series of this to be honest i don't know why well i think there's an argument brewing now about whether or not this creep show reboot was a good idea from the off but uh, i think you you should watch the second series just for completion's sake and then i think you'll be in a position to judge that that's true, yeah. And like I say, I mean, like the, there were odd things to like in the first one, so I'll, yeah, I'm going to stick with it. Why the hell not? <laughs> sure. um, now, I do want to touch briefly on uh, the So Home Horror Festival Part 3. So uh, Mitch Harrod, continuing to be the hardest working yeah. man in horror, has now programmed three of these virtual Same. horror festivals, three days each, I believe, over the time that the UK has been in lockdown. One in May, one in June, and now one here in November. 
So I haven't been able to watch loads of stuff, partially because we were involved in it and I had some prep to do for that, mm -hmm. some other things going on, but I did manage to catch a couple of things and I am hoping to catch a couple more today. I did check out the main, the kind of screening that I want to talk about is Max Verkmeister's Danny and the Vampire. Oh uh, yeah, I've seen a lot of people talking about this. I thought this was really fun. Um, I like this quite a bit. It was, uh, it's kind of a vampire road movie. Right. Kind of has this quite sweet indie rom-com feel to it almost in places. <laughs> it's like very big hearted, very funny. The two leads are really, really likable, um, especially Alexandra Landau. She's so good. And, but they've got like this lovely chemistry. I thought this was cracking a really, really nice piece of programming. Also just want to mention very quickly the short that played before it, Joe Mitchell's Living After Midnight. Okay. Which was kidnap slash murder scenario that goes horribly wrong uh, because of the ineptitude of the two kidnappers. And it's really, really funny. <laughs> like almost unbelievably loaded with kind of laugh out loud moments, given it was only six minutes long. Yeah, that's my pick, I would say, of the stuff that I've seen from uh, So Home so far. Also, the secret film on the Friday night was Dead which um, I spoke about a couple of weeks ago when I caught it at Fright Fest. Of course, yeah. <laughs> also really good. But yeah, great stuff from Mitch again. And if you have been looking on it this weekend, don't forget that he does this kind of off his own back for no money, just kind of out of the love of it and to bring these cool titles to you in your home. So if you're in a position to donate and help him out, then I would recommend going and doing that as well. Absolutely. Like What, what Mitch is doing with this festival is just incredible. Pretty much running all this on his own. That's absolutely to be applauded. Yeah, it's really, really remarkable, I think, actually. Um, however... Yeah! Nature gone wild. Okay, so your side quest, your first side quest on the podcast started yeah. last week. Mm -hmm. Nature gone wild. You are digging in and checking out rampaging animal slash bird slash insect movies from across the spectrum, mostly called from Amazon Prime. <laughs> because it is absolutely chock-a-block with preposterous nonsense. And this week's no exception to that. Uh, last week, I took to the sea and tentacles. This week, I guess it's the air to an extent. 2006's Swarmed. 2006? Okay, interesting. So, Swarmed, I'm going to hazard a guess that we are dealing in the realm of kind of bees, wasps, or hornets here? The latter would be correct. Okay, okay. Prophesizing murder hornets. <laughs> true, true. A uh, small town find themselves beset by a mad swarm of hornets. Um, this, isn't, this isn't good. <laughs> okay. Well, you could knock me down with a feather. Uh, well, there we go. <laughs> Thanks for the constructive feedback. What about this didn't work for you? I thought it was very flat. I thought it dragged quite significantly. Uh, I, I mean, there's fun to be found in it. It's exactly the kind of stupid shit that I like. But, I don't know, it was just... There was no imagination or creativity to it. It was very by the numbers. Incredibly predictable. Terrible effects. Not a patch on last week's... This is something that continually frustrates me with films like this, where I think that like the most annoying thing that a film like this can do wrong uh -huh. is land on a nonsense concept and then just resolutely not have fun. Yeah, I mean, it, it does try to have fun, and there are some fun moments in it, but a few and far between, and to be honest, it's just a bit of a letdown by the end. You're just like... Was that it? On the surface, you might think there's a lot to you could do with a, a small town battle in a swarm of hornets. Like I think um, films like Stung do quite a good job 
of being creative with the big killer bees thing, but there's just nothing in this that that's very inspired at all. So, fair to say, a mixed bag of fortunes so far. Now, this is how side quests work. Welcome to the society. You, um, it's going to be highs and lows. Uh, you're gonna sometimes you're gonna be full of the joys of life and feel like this is an incredibly rewarding educational experience. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you will question every decision that you've made in your life that's brought you to this point. Um, I hope you're ready for the kind of associated emotional roller coaster that comes with going on a subgenre side quest. I'm, I'm willing to take that chance, Mitch. I'm, I'm here now. I'm, I'm in it now. The lows are worth it for the highs <laughs> sure yeah yeah that's it it's got to get better than this so yeah do, 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 do. what have they been saying feedback time and a fair amount of stuff this week big thank you to everybody that's been getting in touch now we do have a decent whack about a couple of things the main two things that are kind of at the forefront of people's minds are the live show from last night Mm-hmm. and this week's episode and film so let's go first with a couple of things from uh, the live show from last night sure yeah so a couple of people got in touch after we announced the film and kind of told people where they could go to check it out um some people on facebook mentioned in this uh, mark logan said love this film have a long history with it then went on to tell us about the fact that um when he sold the video shop that he owned back in the 80s it was one of the few vhs's that he held on to uh, chris scalps just uh just saying uh, it's a fun ride aussie's turn is just perfect which i completely agree with it's my favorite part of the film i think maybe yep so um uh, also, new person alert in the Trud Locker, Jack Burton. Ah, the Jack Burton from Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> Potentially. Oh. Uh, saying, I've always loved this one. I was a 14-year-old horror-loving metalhead when it came out, so absolutely the target audience. Even had the soundtrack album, which was Ace. He then went on to say that, unfortunately, he couldn't join in on the live show because he very honestly told us that he was spending his Saturday evening drinking cans in a shed. And I think that that is <laughs> a noble way to spend your time. And I'm not going to fight you on that point. Jack, welcome to the Trud Locker. And thanks for getting in touch. Really nice to hear from you. That's amazing. What a night. <laughs> uh, you got anything on Trick or Treat? I do, yeah. Uh, James Rodriguez at RoddlesJ04 got in touch. Uh, sharing a photo of the trifecta of myself and the Mitches. Quite a striking image, this one. Yeah, um, for anyone that hasn't seen, uh, for anyone that either didn't listen to the live show last night, or watch it, should I say, and hasn't seen our social media over the last couple of days, the pictures are there now. Um, Andy and Mitch in full corpse paint. And uh, me in a blazer and a shirt. Like I say, it's uh, it's quite striking to see you alongside us there. Uh, but James also struck with it. He says that the live episode of Strong Violent PC looks like a discussion about whether metal is infecting the youth of today. That was kind of the visual I was going for. Like, you know in a, on old episodes of Jerry Springer and stuff, when there'd be this real kind of right-wing conservative parent group sitting on stage talking about how their son's gone off the rails and he's kind of has kind of lost his way and they're concerned about him. And then they bring the son out mm-hmm. and he's got like a robe on. And he's got like massive New Rock boots. <laughs> uh, he's got like long fingernails and he's got full corpse paint makeup on. It kind of looks like that. Yeah, um, Faye Ellis got in touch saying that I looked like a disapproving parent trying to uh, judge his two sons' Halloween costumes before they went out trick-or-treating, which I thought was funny. <laughs> Is this what you're into now? <laughs> Amazing. Uh, we had a really good time doing that. Um, we're kind of hoping that we'll carry on doing stuff with Mitch and uh, and Soho and maybe do an impersonation sometime, which would be nice. That would be lovely because I think we're all fucking fed up with COVID and the associated restrictions. I will say though, stick with it, please. Don't start being assholes. But uh, it would be nice now if it just fucked off. 
I agree. You got anything else on Trick or Treat before we move on? I don't, so I'm going to jump ahead into the gate. By all means, I think that you have all of it on this, so go for it. All right, okay. Uh, again, massive thanks to Damien Levesque, director of The Cleansing Hour, for joining us to talk about this. One of my favourite episodes was done in a long, long time. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed that. Um, I hadn't seen the film before, I really, really enjoyed it, but yeah, real fun talking to Damien. A great film pick and a really cool guy. Cleansing Hour is great as well, actually. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is. Uh, Andrew Barron at Mr. Blunt busk <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to laugh at that name that name every single time Andrew saying because you love that Twitter handle don't you oh it's great uh, and also great apparently was the episode this week The Gate was a childhood favourite of mine which really answers the question if you leave your kids home alone for the weekend what's the worst that can happen uh, yeah um, also who else but Mitch coining the term demonic filibuster almost made me crash my car on the way to work that is one of my uh, favourite moments in the episode <laughs> thanks very much to both of you uh, but drive safely well, it, it could be worse it could, I guess people could be falling asleep that is very true, actually, yeah, I suppose. A couple more things on the gate. Just brief things here from Facebook. James Plum, former guest, getting in touch to say it's a classic. Graham Hughes, former guest, mm-hmm. getting in touch to say, ah, nice, love the cleansing hour, love the gate, this will be a belter. And uh, Jason Chirot getting in touch on Facebook as well, saying, dude, love the gate, this movie looked like it could have happened across the street from me when it came out in the 80s and still, funnily, manages to spook me with those childhood memories. I think it's great for that, the, the gate, it really does, pl- like, uh, something that we talked about on the episode, it plays into that real kind of childhood wonder, that kind of Goonies-esque love of finding adventure when you're younger absolutely it's like it's got all of the charm of a kids on bikes movie and no kids on bikes (laughs) kids but no bikes infinitely preferable anything else in the gate before we move on i don't Okay, cool. I um, want to jump back a little further again. Uh, saying hello to Katie Bonham, getting in touch with old pal. Oh, hi, Katie, Katie Bonham on Twitter. Yeah. She said, just finished listening to the Haunting of Julia episode of Strong Violent PC, which seems serendipitous as my friend over at Full underscore Julia on Twitter is currently trying to get this film restored and re-released. Give them a follow if you're a fan of the film. Go support that cause. I would love to see a restoration of The Haunting of Julia. Yeah, me too. I would throw my money at that any time. And if uh, there's anything we can do to support this movement, we will happily do that. Yeah, get yourself over there, definitely. That's full underscore Julia that um, is trying to get that done at the moment. Yeah, let's get that moving. I want to also say hello to Panda, prettiest dunce on Twitter, getting in touch, um, having just caught up with the Shackman episode. <laughs> Uh, catching up on Shackma and all this chat about how he doesn't get all fucknuts around lady baboons has me convinced that Typhoon is in fact a gay horror cinema icon and you won't change my mind. Cool, I, I, I wouldn't want to, Panda, thank you. Nah, I think it's a strong theory. Have uh, you got anything else? I do, yes. Uh, Lewis Gorehound getting in touch on Facebook saying, If the lockdown gets you in that vice-like grip and you're looking for a 1 hour and 39 minute escape, then I have it. Yes, Chuds, there's a version of Sword and the Sorcerer on YouTube. Your chance to relive some of that 80s greatness. So this one's taken on a little bit of a life of its own in the Chud Locker after we spoke about it on a watch-along lately. Um, a lot of curiosity about the Sword and the Sorcerer. I think a couple of people have ordered the DVD, things like that. And uh, yeah, so there you go, it's out there. Yeah, I've got my hands on the DVD as we speak. No excuse for any of us to be sleeping on the Sword and the Sorcerer anymore. No, 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 none at all. 
Uh, I don't have anything else to report. Okay, I have a couple of things. Um, want to say a quick hello to uh, Film Fan Stevie on Twitter. His bottom of the barrel recommendation uh, actually turned out to be one that loads of people liked. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He said that he had been watching uh, Blackenstein this week. Yep. And um, and then a bunch of people watched it uh, off the back of that mention, and uh, everybody seemed to really dig it. So I might try and get around to it at some point. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's worth a look for sure. Also, on the subject of recent recommendations, uh, James Duffy got in touch uh, on the group as well, um, saying that he was checking out the TV series of The Exorcist. After after you'd spoken about it in such effusive terms a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, an incredibly strong bit of telly. Um, a real pity it was dropped by Fox. Highly recommended to anybody interested. Ben Daniels is superb. Reminding us all once again as well that that is available on Amazon Prime, the whole thing, both seasons, if you want to check that out. And it's, it's excellent. And it's a, a loss that it didn't go any further than those two seasons. It's, it's brilliant. I really like it. Also, we just want to end on a couple of people getting in touch with some uh, Nature Gone Wild side quest suggestions for you. Oh Christ, okay. So, uh, Andrew Barron again, uh, Mr. Blunderbuss on Twitter yeah, saying, yeah. Uh, do Sasquatch movies count for your side quest? As I've just been watching Night of the Demon on Prime about a marauding Bigfoot and wow. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, Darren underscore Gaskell, for the side quest, I'd suggest Franco Prosperi's Wild Beasts from 1984. IMDB says the water supply from a large city zoo becomes contaminated with PCP and the animals go crazy and get loose. It does, they do, and they do. That sounds amazing. That's a wild beast apparently from 1984, so there you go. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting right on that. <laughs> That's my lot. Yep. It's not suspicious! Once again, time then for Mitch's Pitches. Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He'll have photoshopped out the title and the tagline and any identifying text and leave only the image. It will fall to me to describe the image to the best of my ability and to give it a title and a synopsis. We'll share it everywhere as well so you guys can join in. And a fair few of you did that this week. So we flipped the script last week and we had you do the pitch because it was your birthday. Yeah, I've now had one week of being 40. However, one of your first acts as a 40-year-old man was <laughs> to reappropriate the film Killer Party as Finger Blast from the past, the stinky binky of Curtis Dinkley. <laughs> because with age comes wisdom. <laughs> I'm so glad you read that. I had this vision in my head there that you going, uh, and do you want to tell people what the title was? And I was going to say, no, I want you to do it. And I'm so glad you did. <laughs> Happy to help. <laughs> right, we have uh, a decent amount again this week, so I'm going to shoot through the pick of the bunch because uh, we would be here all day if I was reading them all. Big thank you to everybody that got in touch. Don't take it personally if I don't read your pitch out. Okay. So first up, James Rodriguez then. Excited to be taking his sweetheart to prom, German exchange student Jair Koff decides to calm his nerves through self-pleasure. <laughs> Little does he know, his recent 18th birthday has activated a family curse. Every time he spanks the monkey, his lifespan grows shorter, visualised by the skin rotting away on a body part. What's a teenager full of hormones meant to do, other than obviously stop? Will his skeletal hand ruin the night? Standing Peter Weller and Molly Ringwald, it's 1983's Dead Man Wanking. <laughs> Uh-huh. Kevin Matthews then when lovestruck teen Bo Leggy notices the girl of his dreams Lonnie Rotten spends a lot of her time heading up to the local graveyard and digging up corpses for her twisted carnal desires he decides to try and turn himself into the perfect boyfriend option for her using the following a whittling tool to remove lots of flesh a good amount of formaldehyde some maggots and earthworms and a shed load of Febreze but will it be enough to turn Lonnie's head or will she keep heading to the cemetery whenever she fancies cracking open a cold one <laughs> Find out in the <laughs> Find out in the nineteen eighty one horror romance ribs for her pleasure. 
I like that a lot. Oh, that's great. Really funny. Um, CP Buckley on Instagram. 12 years after an accidental fire ruins their big prom night, the survivors of the great prom night fire of 83 <laughs> <laughs> decide to reorganize the last night by holding a grown-up prom. But one woman, Annie Arsonist, is frightened to go. Ever since the fire and the death of her high school sweetheart, Danny Dramatics, she's been haunted by his ghost. When Annie is convinced to go, she wears the same dress she wore on that fateful night, unaware that Danny's spirit is trapped in her corsage. <laughs> At the prom... At the prom, a former classmate, Stevie Stander, makes a move on Annie and Danny Spirit attacks him and the other classmates. Now it's up to hotel security guard and retired occult expert... Dick Hartman? ...to stop the ghost and maybe even get the last dance with his sweetheart and hotel manager. It's the 1995 straight-to-video franchise-ending sequel, The Hardman Factor 13, Haunted Prom Night. Save the last dance for the dead. Wow, and, and franchise ending? Could this be the last instalment of the Hardman files? The Hardmaniverse. <laughs> Tim Coleman saying what he sees. Boner, he's drop-dead gorgeous. <laughs> okay. And Hanny underscore Ray on Twitter. She found the perfect dress. She found the perfect shoes. But when the perfect date could not be found, she raised him from the grave. It's 1982's Raise the Dead, Last Chance Senior Dance. Lovely. Um, I'm going to draw the line there because we had loads. Um, that's the pick of the bunch in my estimation. Right. Uh, so if you want to pick your best pitch and your best character name. Okay, so best character name to Yerkoff. Okay, so that's another win for James. And best pitch to Tim Coleman. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's only fair that sometimes you don't give it to a long and detailed one. I think that sometimes short and snappy works, and I think that it's been a while since you've given it to one of those, so I think that that's cool. I support that decision. I think the last person that chose brevity that, that won, the I guess, the highest accolade of the week was James Plum. Yeah, yeah, he, he had a hot streak. But winners this week... James Rodriguez and Tim Coleman. Batches of nothing heading in your respective directions. Big thank you to everybody who got in touch this week. So. Yeah. Are you ready? Sure. Let's do this thing. Behold this one. Okay. Oh, all right. Okay, I like this a lot. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a quite a large border to the image, really. The, it's black hmm. um, with a blue trim you know, on the interior of it. The kind of main image that we have here uh, is largely dominated by a malevolent-looking carved pumpkin mm -hmm. that is staring at us, the viewer. Behind the pumpkin, we have got um, a hooded figure holding a three-pronged pitchfork. Right. A couple of striking things about this guy. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so, yeah, he's wearing a long uh, black robe and what I think is black gloves as well. And like I say, he's brandishing a pitchfork, but uh, also... He has a bright red monstrous visage with uh, glowing blue eyes, fangs, uh, horns both on his forehead and also on his cheeks, kind of pointing downwards from his chin. Right. Um, let's see what else we got here. He's got at least a bottom row of sharp teeth, presumably an upper row as well, but we can't see them. Um, in fact, more a couple more fangs in there as well. So there's a couple of fangs, uh, two sets of horns, um, a scaly red face full of anger. We also see what's presumably more like what this person or character looks like in the film. Below right. it. Very much the same thing, but kind of like it, what looks like a kind of a more accurate representation of how it appears as opposed to an artist rendering of it, which is the thing that's in the kind of main image there. So there you go. Red faced, blue eyed, horned, fanged, monstrous Grim Reaper character brandishes a pitchfork 
while menacing looking pumpkin looks on. I'm just going to pick you up on one thing, Mitch. Uh, but I think I, I think I could be wrong here, but I think you've made a, a grievous error in your naming of garden tools. Oh, have I? I think that's called a cultivator. Is it? Okay, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm open to comments and corrections. This is not an area of expertise of mine, I must admit. <laughs> um, but, there, but there you go. Uh, so cultivator brandishing a red-faced beast stands menacingly next to a scary pumpkin. Sure, fine, yes. Okay, I will definitely need a moment because this is a strange one. It's not that strange by comparison to some of the things that we've done previously. I suppose that's I suppose that's true. I don't yeah, I'm not I'm not really surprised by anything anymore, I don't think. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, like I'm fine with it. But um yeah, I think I think I'm not unshockable, but I think that my threshold is a lot higher than it was a couple of years ago when we started doing this. Yeah, because there was a time where you were quite shaken by the appearance of a nipple, for example, in one of these things, and you would you, you would never mention a nipple. I'm very, very uh, desensitised to those kinds of things now. Yeah, you were very nipple averse previously, but now you're uh, you're all for them. <laughs> Decidedly pro nipple. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Okay. That was fast. I think I'm just about there. Cool. Layer on me, bro. Halloween is just around the corner and it's the busiest time of year at the Hickory Acres farm. Yeah. Owner and proprietor Lyndon Haybale was once again making a killing from his incredible prize-winning pumpkins, with people travelling from miles around to see them. However, when Halloween tourist and broadcast journalist Walter Scoop arrives to find out what the fuss is about, he smells a rat. What's the secret to Lyndon's all-conquering crop? Why does October always bring a curious increase in the amount of villagers disappearing without a trace under mysterious circumstances? Is there more life in his manure than he lets on? All these questions and more will be left frustratingly unanswered in 1977's agricultural screamfest, Seeds of Evil, the petrifying putrefaction of the Pumpkin Patch Prowler. <laughs> Inject that alliteration into my veins, sir. <laughs> Um, so that concludes Mitch's Pitches for this week, with one exception. It's time for the big reveal. Yeah. Which film is this, really? And most importantly, who is emerging for the IMDb ether to provide us with this week's synopsis? Well, I can tell you, Mitch. Uh, sorry, what year did you say? I said 1977. Mm, just the 11 years out. <laughs> no, 1966, <laughs> I see. No, of course, it's 1988, and the film is Hackle Lantern. Hackle Lantern. Now, people have been talking about this this week. That's because it's recently arrived on Shudder. Yeah, I didn't realise that this is what this was. I'm definitely going to watch it because loads of people have said that it's great. I think it entered a lot of people's Halloween rotations this year and people seem to really like it. However, who's synopsizing? Our old pal, Anonymous. Oh, hello. Yeah. A kindly old grandfather is actually the leader of a murderous satanic cult which sacrifices its victims on Halloween. Amazing. I like I say, I really want to see this. Um, have you seen it? Yeah, yeah. It was like I've got a, a, on my PC. I've mentioned it before, but I've got this folder just full of posters that could, at some point, potentially be a Mitch's pitch. I actually need to remove beaks from that now that you've seen it. But uh, yeah, yeah. And when I saw it had dropped on Shudder, I was like, ah, time to pull that one out of there because I, I, I was fairly confident that you wouldn't go immediately. Uh, I think you'll find this is Hackle Lantern. Uh, no, no, uh, your instinct was correct on that one. Yeah, but uh, it is Hackle Lantern, and it is available right now on Shudder, and it's definitely worth your time. Fantastic. That concludes Mitch's pitches for this week. That image is everywhere, so get in touch, get pitching. We love hearing from you, and who knows, next week you could follow in the footsteps of James or Tim. Win yourself some nothing. Yeah, you lucky, lucky guys.
So turning our attentions to the streaming platforms for this week, I gotta say, we are pulling in towards Christmas and we are feeling the pinch. Uh, yeah. Slim pickings this week. Nothing particularly noteworthy on Netflix, but an absolute deluge of Christmas films. Can I ask, is there a, have you noticed if there's a further instalment in the Christmas Prince saga? You know, I did look for it, but there doesn't seem to be one. There is, however, The Princess Switch 2. Oh, amazing! <laughs> uh, so I uh, just wanted to make you aware of that. Um, Sky Cinema also doesn't have much going on uh, this week, but Amazon Prime on Friday, uh, Friday the 13th, of course, we've got American Horror Story Season 9. That's American Horror Story 1984 mm-hmm. uh, land in there. And Shudder has a couple of things for us this week. On Monday, we have Lizzie in 1892. Lizzie Borden lives a quiet life in Massachusetts under the strict rules established by her father. Lizzie finds a kindred spirit in the live-in maid Bridget, and friendship soon blossoms with a secret romance. But tensions mount in the Borden household, leading to a violent breaking point. Also, on Thursday, we've got uh, Lingering. Seeking support as the guardian of her younger brother, Yu Mi returns to a small hotel run by a family friend. As bizarre incidents creep up in her mother's old room, she'll have to unravel the supernatural mystery and discover the truth before it's too late. That's your lot for this week. So I'm going to say uh, your pick there probably lingering because I think it sounds pretty interesting. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, that's that is a disappointing crop. Uh, yeah, I think that to be fair, we were spoiled um, at Halloween, but I didn't expect the fall to earth to be quite so abrupt. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Shudder doing some good things as always there. So I would say check out Lingering this week. That's available on there from Thursday. So, turning our attention to this week's show then, and it has been a while, but it is time to do an Andy vs. Mitch episode. It is the monthly instalment of the Andy vs. Mitch series, as we uh, kind of decreed a few months ago that we were going to start doing. It's been a while, Uh, or it feels like it's been a while since we last did one of these. We did have a real streak of guests there, which meant that we didn't need to program one in to make the space up. (laughs) So did we not do one in October? Yeah, I think we did do one, but it was like right at the start of the month, so it feels like quite a long time ago. Because it was me, right, and we did Bloody Birthday, which was a massive success. It was, an absolute Roden success, I have to say. Um, but unfortunately for everyone else, that does mean that it is now my turn again. Pure wave of dread just cascaded over me there. Yep, you're not alone in that. So, I am going to, this week, dig into a discovery of mine from the 90s side quest. Okay, okay, okay. Now, this one is available on YouTube, if you want to check it out. Right. So, we're going back to 1991. Right. And we are joining... Detective Ron Hunt, right. because this week's film is Bozidar D. Benedict's The Graveyard Story. Okay, okay, cool. I, I still haven't seen this. Yeah, it's amazing. Kinda horror, kinda supernatural, kinda loads of other things. Uh, synopsis is after a rich man discovers a grave of a little girl, some unknown force drives him to discover the circumstances of her death. He hires a private eye to do so and discovers more than he ever imagined. Wow, okay. Uh, so I remember you talking quite effusively about this at the time. I know a bunch of people have since watched it. I think uh, Dr. Lauren McIntyre has watched it. Darren Gaskell's watched it. I believe they've talked about it, in fact, together on The Horrorist. Uh, I haven't seen this, so I don't really know massively what to expect. So I'm quite excited about this. I think it's going to be fun. So it's Andy versus Mitch this week. It's my selection, and we are heading back to 1991 for Bozidar D. Benedict's The Graveyard Story. How are you feeling about that? Get in touch with us uh, through all the usual channels, Facebook and Instagram. We are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC. You can email Scenes at gmail.com, and you can interact with other listeners on our Facebook group, The Chud Locker. Yep, and patrons, rest assured... You have some patron content coming very, very soon. If you're not a patron already, you can check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash strong language violence scenes. Also, guys, get the word out about this. Let's tell your pals about the podcast. 
Let's go on to iTunes. Spam the reviews on iTunes. Five stars across the board. Let's let's do <laughs> let's do this. Let's get a groundswell of enthusiasm going, and let's make everyone know that this podcast exists. Uh, yeah, thank you. And speaking of Patreon, we will be thanking a patron in a moment. Yes, we will. Yes. However. We're back in your main feeds on Friday with another episode. It's Andy versus Mitch. We're talking the graveyard story. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Bye. Hey guys, just stepping back in briefly to say a quick hello to a new patron for this week. Ooh, thrilling. Yeah, big thank you to Blue of Shoe on Patreon. Blue of Shoe. Blue of Shoe, joining us this week. So, huge thanks for that. Um, Hope you enjoy all the extra content that's going to be hitting your stream uh, very soon. Yep, and enjoy the content that's already there. And thank you from the bottom of our hearts for digging into your pockets to do this. Massively appreciated. Sure is. See you guys soon. Bye guys, thank you. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.